With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions. And those things, Lord, to place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've, you know, you've brought us together again. My brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you have kept us all in good health. That in spite of what the attacks were that the enemy tried to throw at every single one of us, Lord, that you've kept us standing strong. Which tells us one thing and only one thing is that we are wearing your armor. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you have continued to guide us and keep us. That you have introduced us to people, Lord, that will be willing to hear your gospel, Lord, and desire more. And I'm asking, Lord, that we all be fed, that we all be nurtured, that we all be built up and strengthened, Lord. That these houses will stand and continue to stand on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. That from here, Lord, that we will just spill forward, burst forth full of your spirit. That your people will get fed. That those that you desire, Lord, which is everyone to be saved. But we know that most people won't hear, Lord. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. This is why we need your anointing. This is why we need guidance, Lord, to do what you have called us to do. And along with your anointing, Lord, we know that there is an order. We know that there are things that you call for men and women alike to do within your body. And I pray, Lord, that we be accounted worthy, Lord, that we get to that place with you, that we will be able to glorify you, Lord, in proper headship, that we will be able, Lord, to hear your voice clearly, Lord, in times of darkness, that we will see your light that will guide us to and fro, Lord, from evil and from danger. And, Lord, we're just grateful for your mercy. We're grateful for your grace. We're grateful for your love, Lord, for giving us yet another day. So in the name of Jesus, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit, Lord, that is not of you, Lord, I, I bind it, Lord, in Jesus' name, and let it be cast out. For, Lord, let no flesh be glorified today. Let you be glorified, Lord. Teach us your word. Teach us your lessons. Let us place no confidence in the flesh, Lord. Let us not utter words that don't come from you. Lord, I pray that you open the minds of those, the eyes of those who can't see, and the ears of those who can't hear. More importantly, Lord, open our hearts that we may hear, that we may receive your word, that we become the living word, that we be transformed every day, into what you would want us to be. Lord, uh, my friend Christine, she's going through a difficult time in her divorce, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you bless her. I pray that you keep her. I pray for my brother James, my sister Sarah, my sister Christina, my brother Carlin, my sister Melissa, Lord, my brother Martin, Lord, that you keep us where we need to be. Our brother Jake, our brother Laura, I mean our sister Laura, our brother uh, Dan and Tracy and Karen and so many out there, Lord. So many, Lord, that we pray for. Mikkel, Eric, Holly. Lord, I just pray that you watch over them. And if it be your will, Lord, 
Let them come back. If not, let us all be whole in the body of Christ to do what you have called us to do. Let us be available unto you, Lord, for you know what needs to be done and when. And, Lord, I just pray that we open ourselves. I pray that, Lord, serving you becomes so important to us, Lord, for there's nothing more important. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy to be praised of all praises. Lord, send the Holy Ghost. Give us a strong presence tonight, Lord, that we get bathed and baptized and cleansed and filled, Lord, and, and fruitful, Lord, for what you desire. Lord, do it for your glory. Do it for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called The Head of Every Man is Christ. Now, I know that we've gone over this before. You know, I was actually hoping more men would show up because, um, you know, women have had their time here with the Jezebel spirit and everything that is going on. And I mean, you know, one thing we can say about the women in this ministry is that you guys are rock solid. I mean, when it comes to hearing what needs to be said, I know that I've said things. Well, this Bible has said things that will probably turn your insides out. But you know what? You guys took it like troopers. You guys, you know, hey, that was it. That's what the Word says. I can either conform or I can decide not to believe it. But, you know, as for the men, I'm, I'm expecting no different because of the fact that we are men of God. And we all know that God's men are strong. Okay? And not just strong physically. We are strong mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And this is, you know, if we can't handle some of the things that the Lord wants to do for us today, then, you know, we'll never be able to handle what he wants in the end. How do you even expect to protect your families if Christ isn't your head? Everything has to go in proper headship as we're going to read and we're going to go through today. But the men of God, you know, that the church is what really is what the church really stands on. Jesus Christ is our head and his head is God the Father. But along with the body and the church believers, it should be a body of elders, a body of men that the Lord has called forward to do a work that only we can do in his name. Whatever the reason is why God had chosen men to be under him, you know, is something only God understands. But whatever it is, it's proper and it's righteous in his eyes, you know, and if God has called for men to be strong, then there is a reason for it because our father is strong and we've got to see it that way. You know, I'm not talking about he's hard hearted or like a barbarian. I'm saying our God is strong. If we were just to be able to look at him just for the fact that he takes so much from us, that he is so patient with us. Do you know our brains would have exploded by now? Mm -hmm. We don't have the emotional capacity to do what Jesus Christ and God the father has done only by the spirit of God. You know, so we need to be governed. We need to be led by the spirit because, you know, it all sounds great that the head of every man is Christ. But as we go through this, we're going to find out how sure and true that really is. And that includes me. When I, when I speak these things, because I believe the Lord is speaking through me, I'm speaking of myself. There is nothing that I won't say of anyone here that I will not apply to me. Why? Because I can always get better. Paul even recognized that he had not achieved to be what the Lord had called him. Well, he had not finished the work. He, he, he did his course. But Paul even knew that there was a part of perfection that needed to, to happen with everyone when they leave this earth and they're resurrected in glory. So, you know, this is going to be one for the men tonight. You know, I'm not saying women won't be occasionally hit on the side to make the point. But the thing <laughs> is, is that, 
You know, the men of God are to be men of God. And we cannot see ourselves as less than that. And I'm not saying to do this in our own strength. Mm -hmm. Let us call out to the Lord that Jesus Christ may live in us. Yes. Because can you imagine Jesus being like an effeminate man today or a timid man after reading the things that he said? Can you imagine Jesus afraid of responsibility or what he needed to do for the Lord? Mm -hmm. You can't even fathom that. Okay, so if Christ be formed in us, then the head of every man is Christ. Okay, and he's going to lead us to where we need to be. So if anyone has anything to add, they can or any questions or whatever. If not, let's go to Psalm 133. You know, and Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he, you know, just went to the 12 of, uh, disciples. And, you know, if you don't really think about it, no one ever guessed that they were all men. No one ever saw that. And that's why when you got people that will come here and, and come other places and tell me, well, isn't God focused on all the people of God? He absolutely is. But guess what? We know that there is an attack. Satan knew there was a difference between Adam and Eve. Are you kidding me? Satan knew exactly what to do to gain dominion in the earth, and he is doing the exact same thing today. Mm -hmm. If he can't beat you, he, he will go to your mom. He will go to your sister. He mm -hmm. will go to your wife. He will do things to make you even question whether or not you should serve God. And, you know, I look back at my past relationships, man, and it's like, how much did I have a desire to serve Christ or for him to be my head? Because I remember in times when things got rough, I kind of compromised the Lord, you know? Like, for me, I kind of felt like, well, I could stick up for the Lord, but then I'd lose my relationship. So I'm going to, you know, hang alongside of things and make sure everything progresses and I'll praise the Lord when I get time. But you know what? If he's our head, then what the Lord Jesus Christ says goes. And we've got to be willing to walk like that. Because if we don't, I'll tell you what's going to happen to us is that we are going to take the mark. Mm -hmm. Believe me when I tell you this. I think that in some cases, when God even gets a sense that we love something more than him, it's almost like he leaves you to it. To see how this thing gets sorted out. It, it's so true. I've even recognized when my job became, came between me and Christ or any situation. It was almost like the Lord said, okay, I'm going to leave you to this and, figure, and see how you figure it out. And then you find out that whatever it is, it's just not fulfilling you. It's not giving you what you need. Mm -hmm. And then we go scurrying back under him, you know, to do what is necessary. But how many times have we ever stood for Christ? I'm talking to the men in here. You know, because I know that women will talk. How many times have we ever boldly said, well, you know what? Jesus Christ is what it is, and that is what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Do what you want. Let the chips fall where they may. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's our Savior for sure. But what for men and women, but men especially tonight, he needs to be Lord. Mm -hmm. He needs to be Lord. If he's talking about having an army and he's talking about having men, mm -hmm. man, then we got to be ready to move at his command for what he desires. And I'm not talking about coming here. I'm talking about whatever it is that he calls you to do if we are led in the spirit. We got to know what that is in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Psalm 133 and verse 1, and it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like a precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard of Aaron's beard, of the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. So we understand when brothers are in unity together, he, he's comparing it to the ointment, like when the priest in those days 
would anoint themselves, you know, before they worship the Lord. He's saying it's a smooth flow all the way down to the end of his garments. In other words, straight from Christ on down to the lowest of men. On down, it's just a flow. There's nothing breaking that flow. There's no uh, damning anything up. Everything just goes in order. And I think that this is why the devil has sicked whores on the church of God. I think this is why, you know, a lot of men have been effeminized by their mom or their sisters beat down where you see women today for some reason. Man, women are like, I don't know why women have this thing of being assertive and ready. You can find a girl making $4,000 a year. I'm not even kidding because I knew them and I dated them because I was the other, you know, I was the other person. But they would make like $8,000 a year and bust their butts having a little one-bedroom apartment, you know, doing things that they do. But for us men, it's almost like we get this place where, man, I got to feel better and I got to do this and I got to do that. But, man, if the woman can step out on faith, then so can we as men because Christ is our head. I give examples of, I remember the first time when um, I knew my friend Cammie wanted to be married and she said, Derek, are you um, ordained? And I told her, I was like, um, actually, no. And she was like, oh, that's tough because we wanted you to marry us. And I was like, you know what, why can't I go be ordained? I went and looked it up, something online, course you take, fill out the information, blah, blah, blah. They sent me the information. Now, her wedding was maybe, what, four months away? And I, man, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I got ordained in March. Their wedding is in July. And I have never, ever learned how to marry a couple. I went and researched, did what I could for myself. And I said, you know what, Lord? And this is not to glorify any flesh. The point I'm making is you can be in unfamiliar territory with Christ and he'll make it right for you. Mm -hmm. Don't you know he gave me the words to speak in that wedding? He told me exactly what to say. He even told me at a time, I don't even go to weddings. He told me at the time to grab both of their hands and join them together and gave me words to speak. And I had never done this before. But what I'm saying is you can trust Jesus Christ in any situation. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is, if he's truly you, he's truly your head. He's going to guide you into being that man that he wants you to be. That's just a small example. But, there, man, there were so many things. First sermon, you know, stuff break out. And it's like, man, what am I going to say? I remember the first sermon I asked my mom. I was like, Mom, I want to say a few words, you know, in the church if you don't mind. And, you know, can you ask the pastor? And my mom said, um, okay. She went and asked. Then she came back to me. What Sunday do you want? I'm like, wait a minute, am I preaching a sermon here? Because I thought that I was just coming for a few words. But you see, God had other plans. Mm -hmm. God knew I was hungry to want to do it, but he knew I didn't have the guts to get out there. So what did he do? He kicked me off the cliff <laughs> to where I can, you know, decide to yeah. trust him on my way it's down. Like you got wings to fly and you don't want to use them. Exactly. But God was trying to teach me, you know, very early in life. And I'm sorry I didn't listen to him, that all you've got to do is trust me. And if the Lord has a vision for every single one of us, mm -hmm. you'll always get it in a dream. It'll always come to you. The Lord will always show you who he wants you to be or even who you see yourself being. And if we overlook that, you know, that's on us. But the Lord will always show you this is you. This is where I want you to be. And that's the driving force behind what we all do. 
The, the fact that we go forward and talk to people about the Lord is because we truly believe that Christ is our head. And he's really pushing us in the way that we need to go. But we got to believe this. We got to believe this one thing as men and women. Can't nobody whip Jesus Christ. Okay? Can nobody outthink him? Can't nobody battle with him? Jesus Christ is truly King of Kings, and that includes everything. We can be young men, pastoring, getting married, whatever the situation is. We got to trust him. And we're going to find out why this is so important. But I'm going to finish the last thing in uh, verse 3. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So God's kingdom is beautiful when you got men and women in proper order with him. Because what happens is God has harmony. God has this place where, okay, now I can pick from this and this because it's looking like I want it to look. See, how we look before the Lord is important. It is important by what we do. Why? Because you think that God's kingdom up there with the angels is just some wild, erratic, you know, everybody's doing what they want to do. No, the Lord has. There's other scriptures like in the Apocrypha and other things they tell you about that God's throne. He has the seraphim above him. They're kind of like snake-like creatures for some reason. They're kind of, you know, going around in circles. And all they say is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what they do. That's their assignment. You have the cherubim which are around that either carry the throne of God or they're just, you know, in the midst protecting God's throne. Then you got like Michael and Gabriel, which are like archangels around. But then you got thrones, you got dominions, you got virtues, you got principalities, you got powers. I mean, God's kingdom is so well organized and structured. I mean, structured. It's not because he needs that protection. God can sit on the throne by himself. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't. Who's going to come to God and dethrone him? I mean, He's really. Making us a part of his family. Exactly. And I think that's what the Lord does with families. That's what he does with ministries. He does with school. He does with, I'm not going to say the military is a part of his, but Israel had a military. But there was a structure that was formed for the men of God, you know, to be able to walk in. And God honors these things. But God's system is well organized, but we got to trust him as men. We have got to trust him as men. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Man, there's, you know what's the best feeling? Being scared to represent God, but believing him every step of the way. Mm -hmm. You want an adrenaline rush? That's all you got to do. Mm -hmm. Think about when you guys, when, when um, Carlin, you got up and spoke at the conference, you know, or whatever. Man, you didn't look nervous to me. James got up. I thought that he was like, you know, James said he was nervous. Knees yeah. knocking together. Yeah, I but I didn't see time. that. Yeah, even, be even, before, uh, even before I got up there, I kept looking at Mr. Howes like, you want me to go up yet? Because I was like, I was shaking so much. Like, I was trembling and tight. And I was praying like, I was praying hard like, stop, 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 stop. Yeah. But the one thing the Lord wants us to do is just trust him. I don't care what it is. You could be at work telling somebody about Jesus. The Lord just wants you to trust him. Because, you know, he he's, a, he's an awesome and humorous kind of God. It just seems like when we call on him at times, like nothing's happening. But then it's like he can't wait till you're surrounded by an army of 6,000. And you're like, Lord, they're moving in on me. And he's like, yeah, I see it. <laughs> just keep on talking because I'm getting ready to raise a standard that's going to throw everything back. Okay, but he wants us to keep the faith. How long can you believe in me? Because God has got something awesome for his people. All right, so 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, and it says, 
be ye followers of me, even as I, as I am also, as also am of Christ, as I also am of Christ. So Paul is making clear here, guys, follow me. There's nothing wrong with being a disciple of an apostle. You know, an apostle is sent from God. When you talk to them, in most cases, you're talking to God because mm -hmm. God tells them what they need to have. But Paul is talking discipleship here. So he's saying, hey, even as I follow Christ, follow me. He's not trying to get in the way of their relationship with God. But what he's saying is, you don't know the Lord yet. You've got to be instructed. You've got to be shown. You've got to know what it is to walk as a man of God with other men. You know, so this is what he's saying. Now, I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would not... But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And like I said, if anybody's upset with that, take it up with the Lord. But the point is, is that the head of every man is Christ. So Paul is telling you how the headship goes. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his own head. So there's nothing wrong with praying and prophesying in the Lord, but what he's saying is, if you go to man for everything and you're not really seeking the Lord and his counsel or your relationship with him, in many ways you, dis you dishonor your own head because God is trying to show us all something. It's great that we come in together and we learn God's word and we teach one another and we, we do all this stuff. But God wants you at times to call on him, Lord, show me this. What is it that you want me to do? God wants to be the head of every man, not the head of one man of every church. I know that's the image that's painted today, but God wants all men to move at whatever times. He might even say, you know, Carlin's busy for me this week. He's over here doing this. Martin, I need you to go and take care of this tonight. You know, James, I need you here, or Jake, or whomever. But God wants us at his disposal to do his will. He wants us all built up. And it's a beautiful thing when you find the church interdependent but independent as well man that's a beautiful operation when you see apostles prophets pastors teachers and evangelists work together and i'm talking men and women not just men here when you got women out there evangelizing and then you got your prayer warriors come up and they clear the air because they're intercessors and then you got the men move in that are here like preaching the gospel and i mean you know it's a beautiful thing when you got apostles that um they govern and I remembered what it was for prophets. Prophets guide, they guide. So they hear from the Lord and then they tell the rest of the body. Then you have um, evangelists, they gather. See, a lot of the times pastors and other people, they don't have time to go and do all of that. A pastor has a huge responsibility with the things that he's dealing with. So the evangelists break out and they just blow in, blow up, and blow out. They go and win souls. There's an anointing on their lives and they just bring in the harvest. You know, hey, you want to come too? Come on in. But then you got the um, pastors, they guard. Pastors protect the flock because they don't want people, you know, in false doctrine. They don't want, they're, they're looking after the souls of those who are around them, you know. They're, they're adding them as like an extension of their own family and they're taking care of the needs of the people, feeding the people, you know, what they need. And then you got teachers, they ground. Teachers will go over scripture upon scripture, and I mean, they want it in your joints and your bones and marrow that you may have it all. But every single one of us falls into those five offices, and that's why it's time to start asking the Lord, man, what do you want me to do? What is, it, what is the calling upon my life that you want? Of course, we can still meet here and get the word and everything else. They all have different assignments. If you want guidance of the Holy Ghost, you're not going to ask a pastor. You're going to ask a prophet. 
I mean, yes, that's that's the office that he walks in. A pastor will guard, he'll teach, but apostles, they govern. When you got chaos or things going on and people aren't sure, hey, you know, one day, don't be surprised when an apostle won't knock on that door and come on. He ain't even going to knock. He's just going to come in in the authority of Christ. Okay, this needs to change. This needs to go on. That needs to happen. And believe me, you'll know it when, when someone is ordained of the Lord or when someone is really given because they're going to take the atmosphere over. You may want to interrupt, but something will tell you, this is a good time to keep my mouth shut because you can feel that spirit moving. I mean, you can tell with the authority of Christ, these things will go on. So uh, I'm going to continue, but I'm just, you know, talking about God's church and his headship. Verse four or verse five. Uh, but every man that prayeth or prophesieth uh, with her, every, every woman with um, that prayeth, or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. So a woman should be under proper headship. It's not that a woman can't be a prophetess. There are many prophetess in this Bible. It's not that a woman can't be an evangelist. She definitely can. A woman can be a teacher. Okay? As long as things are under proper headship. But when you deal with um, apostles and pastors... Those are officers of men. Why? Because they govern certain areas in the body of Christ. All right. So then it says, um, verse six, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. So there's no such thing as a Juanita Bynum. There's no such thing as a Joyce Meyer. There's no such thing as a woman pastor that's even in my mom's church. There's no such thing as these people. These people are in rebellion. The body of Christ should be governed by elders, okay? And those elders are men. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of, a, of the man. Now let us let that sink in if we're men here, you know? Because I know I've been in situations where I have, you know, dated women that are pretty much... They were, I might have pretended to be in charge, but they really were, okay? They were, I was living, I was living in their homes at the time unsaved. They were paying most of the bills and taking care of everything, and I was just, you know, contributing what I could and sitting up under them. Now, <laughs> that, I recognized even in that situation that I could not be the man that God had called me to be because I felt like I was... I don't know. It was almost like enabled. I became, instead of a man that was being, um, what's the word I want to use? Instead of a man that was being provided for or, or being um, supported mm -hmm. to be what the Lord had called, I became more enabled. I became a bigger baby. I became to blame other people. I began to blame other people for things that were not the way that the Lord had wanted me to be. It wasn't until I moved out and just, you know, went out on faith that the Lord just started revealing things to me and what he wanted. And I began to be blessed in a lot of these things. I'm telling you firsthand, I didn't have, and I'm going to say this outright, you know, because when I moved out at the age of 23, I was, um, you know, I was living with girlfriends or friends or roommates and things like that. But, you know, it struck me at the age of 34 that I had never had my own place to live. It wasn't until this last situation relationship broke up 
that I had recognized, you know why I'm now looking for another place to live? You know why this is going on and this is happening to me? Because I'm not the man that God had called me to be. I began to put myself in situations where I was taken care of instead of doing what was called of me. And in doing so, when you got that order wrong, man, you know, all men can, can admit this one thing. You might date a woman that you love very much, but that relationship turns when she finds out what? That you're a little boy, that you're not a man. And that is a fact. That is a fact. Whenever a woman starts breaking you off disrespect and you've been living with her and all these things are going on, I'm telling you, she does not respect you like you think. If you're married, that's one thing. But it's another thing. If you're if you're trying, a woman is taking care of you or whatever, she's not going to respect you. And to be honest with you, she doesn't have to. Because we're not the image and the glory of God that he designed to be in charge. I'm not saying that people can't date and practice what it is to be men or, or the woman, you know, listening to the man and things like that. And she's coming up righteous. I'm talking about the situation concerning us being men. If we're not men, because the head of every man is Christ, then we are little boys. Okay. We are males, but we may not be men because a man of God is going to head. He's going to have responsibility. He's not going to turn from it. And he is going to rely on the Lord when it comes to that point. And if we go to, um, I'm going to continue this here, but when we go to Genesis chapter 2, you're going to find out why the Bible says that the man and woman became one flesh. He, he leave his mother and his father, because that was probably the only thing that they had in those days. But mm -hmm. there comes a point where the Lord wants us to branch out and trust him mm -hmm. with every little thing. Because, man, when God is your head, you know it. Because you know why? You don't have anybody else. Mm -hmm. And he's the only one that you have confidence in yeah. as a man. Believe me when I'm telling you. God wants men like that. You know, and like I said, for me, it wasn't until I was 34 years old. You want to talk about arrested in development? I'm telling you, man, that was me. All right, so it says uh, that the woman is the glory of the man. So this makes clear here that there is a place. If you want to know what any woman is like, I mean, or any relationship is like, or any man, all you've got to do is look at the woman that he's with. And that will tell you everything that you need to know about that relationship. Because there were many times, even in marketing or other things, I might have gone to go out and speak to a client. And then you find, like, while I'm talking to the man, because he's the one we're closing the deal, his wife is jumping in, like, just, you know, talking about this and that. And I'm like, wait, I thought we sealed this yesterday. And she's, well, I think, and I don't believe, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at him like, hey, did you get this straight with your situation before you even came to me and said something to me? Because now we've got an issue here. And I'm not saying that a woman can't add her two cents. They are a team in Christ. But what I'm saying is, we need, we're going to get down tonight to what God really wants of a man. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. And what a woman is supposed to be like with a man. It's, it's much more than what we realize. You know, and these things that we need to see. Verse 8, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. So she's woman because she came out of the womb of a man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Now, women, let that sink in. Men, let that sink in. That, that there's something that's gone wrong here. And this is why we've got to look at it as in the woman was made for the man. Now, this isn't misogyny. This isn't chauvinism. This is the way that God designed it. 
that the woman is supposed to reverence her husband as she almost reverences the Lord. That's how serious this is. But if he's a man of God, because if he is a man of God, then he's going to fear the Lord and love his wife as the Lord wants him to. Yes, sir. And also it says in Genesis that the woman was created as that helpmeet for the man. Because mm -hmm. if you think about how God created man, even after they failed, that they would, you guys would have like great responsibility. And mm -hmm. if the woman's there to say, hey, how can I help you? It's like a burden gets taken off of your shoulders because you know that woman's there to help you, not hinder you. Absolutely. And that's why it's important that both parties be godly. Mm -hmm. And this is why the Lord doesn't want us unequally yoked with unbelievers because unbelievers, Gentiles, or what you would say to heathen, they don't get this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read an article to you guys soon, but it talks about how they claim that the weaker vessel, or God honoring the woman, or, or the man honoring the woman as the weaker vessel, they claim that that is not proper doctrine. That is the teaching of misogyny. And that what people think is just so wrong concerning this, because you got women athletes and women entrepreneurs, that has nothing to do with this. Okay, this is about the order that the Lord wants us to have. So then it says, all right, so the woman was created for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. So people even have to understand, even the order, when God tries to call his kingdom in play to do things, there are some things God won't act on because the headship is wrong. I felt this even when I went home to New York last year. And I went to lay hands on people. And there were some people that you can feel the spirit move on. But then there were other people. You, I just didn't get the flow that I thought would happen. Why? Because the headship in that church was a woman. Mm -hmm. You got to understand what the Lord won't fall on. He's only going to fall on that which he created. Now, I'm not in here to talk about who's a man or woman. That's, that's beside the point. The Lord told me to speak on this. And this is what I'm trying to make clear. Verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. So they are a team in Christ. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. So I believe what he's saying here is that even though Adam was the first man and Eve came out of Adam, but there's no man today that can be born unless he comes out of his mother's loins. So in some ways... You need them both to be a team regardless of what. That this is a family. This is the headship of God. You don't find the Holy Ghost, okay, going beyond himself to question God the Father in a commandment that he made. That is not the way it goes. You don't find Jesus Christ and the Father arguing about anything. It is all in accordance with one God, one spirit, one baptism, one faith. And that's what this whole thing is about concerning uh, men and women of Christ. Can you keep going? I, this is like that chapter that kind of causes, causes some confusion because people talk about, well, you know, the woman should have her hair covered, mm -hmm. she like she wear something over her head, because mm -hmm. it goes into like long hair and stuff. So it's like I, I get confused with this chapter too. No, absolutely. That's that's uh, uh, symbolism to like metaphor, metaphorically. Part of it it's is like spiritual meaning. Right. Part of it is metaphor, but much of it is true mm -hmm. because um, it talks about. That women, their hair is their glory. Right. So, you know, you know that they are speaking of hair. Right. Okay. But they're talking about the man having long hair. It's a shame for men to have long hair. Some people would use that and say, it is, um, you can't have a bunch of leaders. Your head should be Christ only. But I believe it's also speaking of long hair. Why? Because in this society today, what are you seeing men look like? 
What do you see? This isn't the image of God. You got men and women looking exactly alike. So I think there is a metaphor to it, but I also believe that it's also speaking here of the appearance because the Bible goes into the women not even wearing the apparel of a man. Or if a man wears the apparel of a woman, of a woman, it's the it's an abomination. So I believe that God is clear about what men and women should look like. Now I know you see these pictures of Jesus Christ with long hair. Well, guess what? That's not Jesus Christ. Okay, that is uh, Caesar Borgia, B O R G I A. It does say though, um, and uh, it does say. Well, I think there was one person. I think Jesus had long hair too. In the sense that um, he, it was a certain tribe, though. Like Samson. Samson had long hair. and he, The Bible says he has seven locks. It doesn't say anything about long hair. Well, well, well in the sense that he, that's, yeah, like he had the locks. But yeah. when it said that he, it was nothing to cut or shave from his head. It said nothing was to cut. So the idea that. Oh, that there should never be a razor right, upon his head. Right. right. So okay. when, when the idea that when that razor cut his head, that's when he lost the power. But I think if anyone brings up that argument, I think it was only meant for that certain tribe or that certain... Because he was a Nazareth, was it right? He was a Nazareth. A Nazareth can really be anybody from Nazareth that is dedicated to the Lord. So if that's the case, anybody who is called to be a Nazareth, then they probably are called not to cut anything from the hair. Same thing from somebody who is called not to drink. Because there are some people in the Bible who did not touch any strong drink at all. Nothing drinking, nothing. Right. So, so I think it depends on if you're called to do that, then you can have long hair. Other than that... But that hair was symbolic. I understand the story and what it's saying, but mm-hmm. that hair was symbolic of the anointing of God right. that the Holy Ghost would work through. Right. So if that head were clipped, like Paul's talking about here, if you were to lose that or that hair were cut, that anointing or Christ being your head were cut, because the seven spirits of God were that the um the uh seven the seven locks that were on his head. Mm-hmm. It only symbolized the Holy Ghost. Holy but there's really no story except Ezekiel got grabbed by one of the locks of his head and taken up into the heavens. But it doesn't say anything about long hair. You know, it says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Why use hair hair instead of headship? And that's kind of like where he leaves it. So I understand what James is saying too. You know, about the Nazarite not being able to be clipped, but a Nazarite is someone dedicated to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So there will be no headship over a Nazarite. Christ didn't have any headship. If you look at the fact when Jesus came and he dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those people, the religious leaders of the day, he never treated them like, Rabbi, what must I do? When his mother and father found him, he said, don't you know that I should be about my father's business? Mm-hmm. So his head was always his father. So I think that that's what they're really talking about, like concerning the hair. In terms of the father. Right. right. You know, and it's our, like he had man, a direct right. link to him and the father. And, our, and the man's head is supposed to be covered, meaning Christ. The right. The head is supposed to be covered, meaning the, right. the man. So it could be used as long hair, too, because you may have hair like, well, let's just say the hair was used as an example as Christ being your head. But to have many leaders, you know, but he talked about nature. Doesn't nature teach you? that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. So a man should be kept in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that he is speaking against the long hair here because he said nature. He didn't, because that that meant that women wore their hair long, Mm -hmm. and for the most part, men's hair was shorter. Yes. You know, if you think about it. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, in terms of long hair specifically, it does say that a woman's hair is a grace or glory. Mm -hmm. It's a glory. And you know what? When women are... um, 
you know, they always used to say that hair, that clothes makes the man and hair makes the woman. Clothes really do, like, you know, a man could be not even all that good looking, but if he's dressed nice, you know, there's just something that sticks out about him. And I'm not saying who's good looking, but, but a woman, when her hair is done a certain way, she can look, she doesn't even have to be that attractive. And that hair yeah. really is her glory. Yeah. When you see like a, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the short haircut like you might have seen. Anita Baker and Halle Berry and women of those days have. Yeah. But if you notice, it didn't stop there. Now you got shaving bald or one half shaven and yeah. all this stuff going on because it is like, you know, they're trying to turn women into men. Yeah. I know. First time I cut my hair when it was really long when I was a kid in like grade school, really short, I mm -hmm. like cried. So even as a kid, I knew that there's something special about long hair. Yeah, like I, I was so upset. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm never cutting my hair again. Mm -hmm. Like literally, I didn't like. It's just God. I felt empty. Like, part of me is missing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's so true. And that's why if you go to um, Genesis 2, I mean, and 3, I'm not going there now. I mean, I'm not going to go there. But remember he talked about that a man will cleave unto his mother and his father. I mean, he will leave his mother and his father and the two become one flesh. Mm -hmm. You want to know why most fights with in-laws goes on? is because someone had not clipped that tie with their family. They had not placed their family in that place that they should be in. Mom, dad, my wife is first, okay? Now, I'm not saying a wife can't be wrong and need correction, but you find even with women, you know, a lot of women, they have a problem with their husband, they run to their family. Mm -hmm. And then what ends up happening? Trouble between the husband and wife. Yeah. It's not supposed to be that way. You yeah. guys are supposed to go before the Lord together. together your yes. problems are your problems. And yes. I'm not, I mean, unless it's an out of control situation where she needs help outside the family, then of course. But the point is, is anytime you've got women running and telling their sisters and their mom and all this stuff about their husband, and it's not anything that's really crazy, that's wrong. Because that issue needs to be addressed with the Lord. A lot of men, if they, you know, can't tell their mom or their dad what needs to be and what they're going to do with their life, I'm not saying out of respect, but there, there comes a problem there because you've got other people in a marriage that should not be in. Right. That is sacred before God. That is your business. You know, I'm not talking about an abusive relationship because I'd like to go over there with a baseball bat and deal with the guy. The point I'm saying is, is that the Lord wants everything to be in a, in a proper order. But we cannot let things into the holy union. And that's why yes. it says, let no man put us under what God yes, puts God together. together. Yes. Because if you throw your, your marriage under your family, hey, expect to get divorced in five years. That's usually what happens. Because it's like, man, I can't even talk to you without your dad calling yeah, me and all this other stuff going on. So God wants things in proper headship, but Christ is the head of every man. Mm -hmm. And any man of God, he's not going to abuse his wife, obviously, but he is going to go to her and explain things to her in a godly way. Yes. And if she's a woman of God, she'll be able to handle those things in a godly way. Yes. All right, so let's move on. Um, I want to go to... Proverbs chapter 2. But, you know, there's such an attack against the men of God that we have to be aware of these things because the Lord is, you know, he's trying to keep us together. He's mm -hmm. trying to keep men in their rightful place with him. Mm -hmm. But there is definitely an attack on the men of God. Yeah. If there's anything that we're not doing for Christ, believe me, you've got some help. 
You've got some conditioning out there on TV. you got a lot of stuff that'll tell you, oh, man, men ain't that important. This thing is about women. You know, this thing is about a man or a woman. It doesn't make a difference. It makes a big difference in God's eyes. This is Proverbs 2 and 1. Now notice, Solomon goes right to him and he says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy ear, I mean thy heart unto understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So if we follow the Lord and does, does and we do what he asks, I mean, he is saying my son here, but I believe the same applies to women. But I think um, Solomon was always giving wisdom to a lot of men because Solomon was exposing one of his great weaknesses, and that was women. It's no wonder he talked about all this stuff from 1 to 31. And somehow, one way or another, it had something to do with a woman. Mm -hmm. So Solomon even knew that he couldn't even be the man that he was preaching. But the point is, is that led by the Spirit, that he was told to, you know, write down and say certain things. Verse 8. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity Yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things. Now, you know, when we were all young boys going to school. Most of us never knew or never ever cursed or had anything perverse in our hearts. And in our minds, we get outside with the company of the world. Everybody knows public school is like a den of hell. You know, you send your kids there, chances are they're going to pick up what other people talk about. But he talked about keeping them from the perverse. And I can tell you firsthand, I think that is when most of my trouble began in being a sinner. Wasn't when I, when I was home with mom. I might have had iniquity in my life just from my birth. But when I started school and I was around all these boys talking about, look at this woman's body part, look at this, look at that, I quickly forgot the ways of my parents. At first I thought it was filthy, but then there came a point when I began to be just like the world. I looked around at first and wondered if any grown-ups were listening, and then I was just like the world. So the Bible here is talking about keeping the man from the forward and perverse things. This is why a lot of men can't be men. They have adopted the ways of the world. So then it says, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they forward in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her lips. So the Lord is talking about here, or Solomon is speaking of here, about a man's paths being straight, because our paths don't begin in crookedness, with women, that is the end result usually, but you first hear about, you know, 
Oh, what about this girl? What about that? I've done this. This was fine. I want this. And once you start going off into perverseness, who waits for you? The strange woman, okay, that is going to complete the job. Verse 17, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. So he's talking about a man needs to be godly, but he's talking about this strange woman that never even knew or, or strayed away from the covenant of her God. This is a loosed woman. This is a woman of the world, you know, that he's telling his men or his son to stay away from. Then it says, for her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go un, um, unto her return again. Neither take they hold of the paths of life. So you can get so hooked into being a man that chases women that you can forget all about what the Lord said. This happened to dear Solomon. So then it says, um, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land and be perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. So here we recognize too that he's talking about how the good man should be. But he's talking about the good man falling away because he had given himself over. This does not sound like a man whose God is his head. If God is a man's head, a man is going to watch what he says and what he does. He's going to be careful of the company that he keeps. He's not just going to stray into, you know, the world. All right, so this is Proverbs in 3. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall add I mean, shall they add to thee? So a man is not sustained here by how much money he makes or what he does in the world. He is sustained by following the commandments of God. Okay, because those things will always lead you closer to the Lord, not farther away from it. Then it says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding of the sight of God and man. So you want to be seen right in God's eyes, regardless of what, you know, instructions there are out there. Because any man that will not follow God will be in a snare. You'll be a snare to your family. You'll be a snare to your wife. You'll be a snare to your children. You'll be snared by the things of the world or the riches of this world. So when Christ is your head, when God is your head, you will see and hear clearly and do those things that he calls you to. But the things that will be done will be prosperous in your life. They'll be healthy. There'll be things that will show forth. Mm -hmm. And that's why a man should seek Christ first and everything else falls in line. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lead not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in, their, in of thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So if we learn what it is as men, because he keeps saying, my son, I'm not excluding women here. The same applies for the women too. But if we go according to what God is telling us to do, we will have an abundant, fruitful life, but it will be godly. Okay, so it would, it would, you would have his favor in just about everything that you do. Verse 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So when the Lord gives you, give unto others. God, of course, doesn't want your money. What is he going to do with it? Okay, but if the Lord takes care of you and you have been blessed, then you need to give to others. Because Jesus said, if you love me, 
feed my sheep. Now, he was also talking the word of God, but he also says in Matthew 25, hey, I came to your door as a beggar, and you didn't, you didn't feed me. You know, I came as this, I came as that. You didn't take care of me. But when God is your head, he's going to direct you to look after those who have less than you. Why? Because it is, it is loving your neighbor. Verse 10, so shall thy bonds be filled and plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So look at what you have. When you do all these things concerning the Lord and putting him first, so shall thy barns be filled. Now that is worldly. That's the Lord giving you an abundance of everything you need. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You want to know why it's hard for a lot of men to get anointed in Christ? Christ is not your head. In order to have Christ as your head, you obey what he's calling you to do. And look at this. Look at what he'll add. Now, this new wine, they're talking of, you know, wine, but they're also speaking of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Solomon was well aware of this. So, man, we can have everything in Christ. You think Jesus held anything back from his father? You think the disciples held anything back from Jesus? Jesus was teaching them for the three years that he was with them to follow him and do what he commands. And Peter even said, remember in Matthew 19, he said, you know, Lord, um, we've given it all up to follow you. And he made sure that they had everything. And they probably didn't have much. Peter probably made more money fishing. Matthew, the tax collector, probably made more money, you know, working for the government. Because <laughs> that's kind of what he was doing. But the point is, is that do you recognize that they had the honor to be represented by Jesus after he left? And they became the church of God to do things that only Christ himself would do. I mean, so what would you trade out for that? What would you trade out for the anointing? To not be seen as other men, but to be a man of God. Would you want to fight against that? And, and, and to try and have something here? Man, I would give everything I had to be able to represent Christ, raise the dead, lay hands on the sick and they recover. To do the things that the Lord has called me to do. And when all men come to glory, me, I point them back to Christ. No, this Jesus that the education system made fun of. This Jesus that the religious leaders have tried to take over. This Jesus that the religious world tries to push aside and tell you that he's not that important. This Jesus is who did this. And this is what God wants to do in man and woman is to give us this anointing that we may represent him. What compares to this? What is as good as having the new wine that Christ may live in us, that we may infect others with the spirit, that they may grow and know the Lord? This all comes back to if Jesus Christ is our head or is he not. Let's go to Proverbs 5. Anyone wants to add anything they can? Anybody want to check me? Call it? So Proverbs, okay. All right, so Proverbs 5, and we'll start at verse 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to mine understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. You know, Pastor Price talks about, too, how one of the issues he has with the men he said a lot of men call him and they say, you know, we would love to join you, but 
my wife and my um and and her mom doesn't don't want me to be there and he says well why not you know and they're like well they feel like you preach too hard and you don't show enough love and this and that and Gary Price said okay so what are you going to do about it and the guy said um well you know I would like to but my wife and whatever he said I ain't talking about your wife man I'm talking to you <laughs> what are you going to do about it but he was like oh, I'd love to when I but I just can't he said, well, you know, go to hell with your mom and your stepmom or whomever. But the point is, is that I know that that sounds kind of harsh, but the point he's making is Jesus said that we can't love anything more mm -hmm. than him. Yes. Okay, so if the Lord is calling for us to do things, man, nobody is in front yeah. of this. But if Christ isn't your head. Yeah, and essentially, if a man, is, a man of God is going and pursuing Christ and going to Bible study or ministering or, or even praying having it at his house a woman would be his wife would be there too mm -hmm. so it's like man, well, no one right. a person that is of uh, Christ like minded they wouldn't um, distract you or pull you away from Christ they would mm -hmm. be right there with you and praising mm -hmm. God with you when Christ is your head there is so much peace for a man because you hear from him directly and you do as you're told now have we all mastered this no <laughs> but the point is is this is what we're striving for to have Christ be our head because, you know, even Jesus had to attack the spirit that was in Peter in Matthew 16. Remember when Peter said, Lord, be it far from you. And he said, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, and thou savorest not the things that be of God, but are of men. So he was making it clear to him that you are not going to stop me from doing the will of my father. So he even had to turn on the apostles. You know, he even had to beat butts out of the temple, whatever it was. Yeah. But he had to make sure that nothing came between he and the Father. He had the flesh and the soul in subjection to Christ. Now, I'm telling you, a lot of people, they may have a mom or a wife or a sister or whomever. They may not be bulldozing their way in. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is, you know, I wouldn't personally. I you know, because then what's going to happen to the kids? What's going to happen to this? What's going to happen? See, the enemy has many ways of jumping in this, and he will use anyone to do so. If the Lord is telling anybody here to do something special for him, my advice to you is don't tell me. You know why? Because I don't know what he's telling you to do. Yes. I may give you my opinion. You may think highly of my opinion. And what ends up happening? You stop obeying the Lord. You start thinking, yeah, that is a foolish idea. And the Lord is like, I told <laughs> you yeah. for you to do, not yeah. for someone else. Or so not we got to go tell someone else either. Exactly. Yeah. So we got to make sure nothing comes between our headship with Christ. If the Lord had told you to do something, hey, do it. Like when Christina sang that weekend, hey, the Lord told her, who am I to refuse? Hey, let's get this party started. Yeah. Reference the Lord and, you know, worship Him. But if I'm some music critic, no, we need the right pitch. We need, um, the volume's got to be up. The music's got to be right. I've been guilty of this. The Lord has given Melissa songs to sing, and I hear them, and um, that doesn't sound very godly or whatever. But see, if the Lord told her to sing it, who am I to say something about that? But that's why we have a head, you know, who is Christ. I mean, you know, well, God has the man, the woman, you know, on down. But the point is, as if Christ told you to do something, then you do it, regardless of who it is. So, you know, he's talking about the man here who has not chosen Christ as his head. 
He's talking about the strange woman. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Well, as a man, you got no business paying attention to this anyways. Yeah. No matter how movable a man or woman's ways are, Christ is your head. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what he says is what goes. Yeah. It's not a thing of, well, you know, um, my wife feels funny about it. What did the Lord tell you? Mm -hmm. My sister feels funny. What did the Lord tell you? The Lord only wants men and women obedient to him. Okay? But, well, and if your foundation's on Christ and the rock and rooted in, you shouldn't be movable like the sand mm -hmm. either. Because everybody, when they hear about, you know, being rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, everybody thinks that the attack is coming from the outside. That the attack is coming from the devil, somebody you heard of, or, you know, other other principalities and powers, some stranger, your boss. You'll even go as far as to say your boss. You'll even go as far as to say your teacher. But no one believes that it could be mom or dad. No one believes it could be your wife. I'm telling you, if the devil tried to deceive Christ, what do you think he's going to do to you? And the one thing that you know when you're dealing with Satan is he will paint fear. And along with fear will come unbelief. Mm -hmm. If the Lord tells you to do something, the enemy will tell you, man, they can, hey, this may be your last day. You don't want to do that. Hey, you know what? When the Lord tells you to move, you move. When he tells you to be silent, you be silent. If he gives you something in secret, you take it in secret. Yes. Okay? You don't tell people just for the sake of telling them because you 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 spoil the blessing. Yeah. You don't think while you're sitting there sharing what the Lord has shared with you that the devil ain't sitting there listening? Oh, that's his plan. Oh, you want people married. Okay. So what I'm going to do is introduce or bring someone else in here that's going to cause some trouble. Mm -hmm. You got to, you know, we got to give was, it all to him. That was just passing my mind today about, oh, yeah. about in terms of like what God gives you mm -hmm. don't go out and like sound a trumpet or like tell other people like that's right. uh, we, mm -hmm. it's understandable that you get excited and you like marvel and you, you get happy inside but that doesn't mean you can share it You're like what he gave right. to you is for you it's so true we've got to be aware of that because you know it's kind of like not obeying the Lord mm -hmm. yeah. you know A.A. A. Allen was in his closet for I don't know how long. He said he lost track of time. But when the Lord stepped in that closet to see him and to speak to him, he said, man, the lights were so bright. He thought it was the hallway light. But when the Lord began talking to him, you know, and he said the Lord's voice was deep, he said he ripped up a cardboard in his bathroom or his closet just to be able to write something down in what the Lord says. And the Lord gave him 12, well, 13 um, um, things about receiving the Lord's power. You guys look up A.A. Allen, man. That was a real man of God. But he, um, yeah, the Lord gave him 13 um, instructions in order to receive the power of God or to walk with the Lord. But the Lord, A.A. Um, Allen, went to his death, never telling people what the 13th was because the Lord told him that he couldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's something that, you know, that might have been a, a giveaway for other people to want to do it or whatever. But I think that that 13th is to seek Christ in the inner man. The instructions are great as far as making Christ your head and pushing down, you know, making sure nothing is before him, taking sin out of your life, having this, having that. But the 13th, I believe that Christ gives you that you have to seek him in the inner man. That is not something that you can read in a book. You know, it's something that out of your thirst and hunger for him as your head, he will give you to empower you. You got to call on him for it. All right, so it says, Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door to her house. 
lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest, uh, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. Mm -hmm. So if that's why, you know, when we come here, well, anyway, and you're hearing God's word, and you hear something that may cut to the quick. You know what? Absorb it. Take it. The words came from the Lord. Always check it out with the Bible. But whatever it is, you know, if it's the truth, embrace it so that Christ can be formed in you. We can't be offended by this gospel, mm -hmm. all right, because we're seeking the light and the truth anyways. He said that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Why most people won't come to Christ is because their deeds are evil. It's got nothing to do with whatever religion they were in or what was going on. It's because they refuse to let the Lord shine light on their lives that they may seek Christ and, and be cleansed and made over. All right, so this person hated um, instructing, uh, instruction. The Lord cannot deal with us if we don't like to hear the words of the Lord. They might be hard. The Lord may even tell you to tell your mom, you know what, mom? This is what the Lord is calling me to do. I love you and I respect you, but this is the calling upon my life. This is what I'm, you tell your wife, your sister, I don't care who it is. But the point is, is if Christ is your head, you got to make sure nothing comes between you and him. Not a pastor, not anybody. Seek Christ for real and do what he tells you. I know we got to go further, but I don't want to, um, those were a few instructions. Let's go to 1 Kings uh, chapter 2. This is where David warns his son Solomon. Did Solomon listen? No. In the beginning he did, but... He thought that he was wise enough to be with the strange woman and to follow the Lord. And somehow the things were going to go hand in hand. Those things will lead you off the path. Anybody have any questions? Anybody disagree? I mean, you know, I would love to hear what people think. It's not going to offend me, <laughs> you know, in any way, but... You know, there's a lot of people struggling with this in the home and other places, man. It's like... No, I, I do uh, strongly agree with that, even as it's written in, in the Word that um, what God has for you is for you. And you going out trying to, I guess, share it with other people, it spoils it, you mm -hmm. know. You don't want to spread them what God gave you. Exactly. Keep it to the, the fullness and the wholeness of how He gave it to you. Exactly. But I also believe sometimes He wants you to share yeah, there are things, right, absolutely. But there are times when the Lord wants you, hey, this is important, you know. And that's why Jesus even told his disciples, tell no man what you saw in the Mount of Transfiguration. Why? Because he wanted people to receive Christ for the truth's sake, not for all the things that, you know, mm -hmm. oh, so you are the Son of God. I saw you lit up. No, he wanted to attack them in the inner man that they may receive it. Now, do you believe these words because they are truth, or do you believe what you want to believe? You know, so yeah. that's why he told them, don't tell anybody. And, and there were some people he told, like Christina said, go and tell what I've done for you that others might receive. There were others, tell no man what yeah. you have seen. So it's all about Christ being our head. There is no right or wrong answer. It's Christ's answer. Yeah. What does he say about the matter? Yes, sir. I've even, I've had to learn the hard way cursing the blessing that the Lord gave me because I couldn't keep quiet about it. Like you were saying, sometimes you get so overly excited that then the Lord's like, 
you know. I can't now, tell you anything. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, and he works, he, he'll work on you with that, but even if you have a dream and you may not understand what it is, it's not always about going to someone and asking them, hey, what do you think this dream means? A lot of times, and actually all of the time, if you have something like that, the Lord wants us to go to him mm-hmm. and say, yes. just like Daniel with King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel mm-hmm. dreamed dreams where mm-hmm. the Lord gave him those dreams for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. But it's like, ask the Lord with the, you know, yes. I've had to learn that, Lord, what, is this, what does it. this mean? Yeah. Do you want me to reveal it to others or not? Because sometimes he can even give us futuristic dreams. I don't want you telling anybody about that. Right. Yeah, but look at the beauty that you make. Uh, like that's the best way to do it, is mm-hmm. just to go to ask Christ, like, is this... What you gave me is this something that I'm supposed to share with other people? Because exactly. in, in Proverbs it does it does say like a talebearer revealeth secrets mm-hmm. that you're not supposed to, mm-hmm. and that that's that term is called a tell a talebearer, something that's revealed to you that you're supposed to keep, and you're going about telling people those secrets that you're mm-hmm. not supposed to. So and, it's, it's, and that's what you're right, and this is why like now imagine the body of Christ. Well, the body of Christ is headed by Jesus Christ, but I'm just saying. Imagine all of us anointed in here, and we've all got an office in Christ. Someone has a dream, they tell everybody, and there is someone here who can interpret that dream because they have that calling upon their lives. That's why it's important, and that's why when he talks about the edifying of the body, he's not just talking about teaching here. The Lord sends signs and visions. Carlin said he heard and wanted Sarah's prayers in the spirit. He said that it was something about protection. What am I going to say, Carlin, you're wrong? I don't have a suggestion for that. But if Carlin heard that from the Lord and Sarah was like, really, protection? And I say, hey, take that serious. Because if the Lord has given him something, that's something for everybody. That's how we've got to look at it. I'm not, who am I, an expert on no, I don't think it said that. Then why didn't the Lord tell you anything? Yeah, exactly. Why, exactly. Did, yeah. why didn't you get it? Exactly. Shut your mouth and let the work of God be done. It all comes back to trusting Him yeah. and His discernment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. When we pray about when we pray for something, no message comes back void. Whatever God gives mm-hmm. us. So. That's right. Absolutely right. You guys see dreams and visions. If the Lord didn't tell you to tell, don't. If the Lord told you to tell me or whatever, hey, please do. Why would I want to walk around blindfolded? Leaving, I'm a man of God. Walk around, get hit by a truck or get poisoned with some drink when the vision said, don't go out tonight. Okay, so these are things that we just need to think about concerning the Lord. But anyways, this is uh, 1 Kings chapter 2. We'll start at verse 1, and it says, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, Be thou strong, therefore, and shew thyself a man. So he didn't just say, shew yourself as a good, strong person. He said, a man. As if, you know, there were men in those days that were not men. He's saying, shew yourself a man. So anyway, David is dying here, but he's telling Solomon what's necessary. Verse 3, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. 
So if God has given a man, um, you know, a position to lead, I don't think this just applies to kings. This applies to any man of God who wants to be ruled of God. But all your heart and all your soul, and people don't think the Old Testament has any significance to the new. God's law, his, his, his overall spiritual law never changed. God still sees things the same way. It's just the law of Moses we don't do. But now he has given you the spirit that you may seek God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. He's talking about a full, pure heart that the Lord can work through. So if we really as men desire to serve the Lord, we can serve the Lord. Why? Because he gives us instruction and from there we do what he tells us to do. This thing is not hard. Seek him with a pure heart and watch him spell out and, and give you information and tell you as men what we need to do in Christ. You know, and like I said, everything that I say here, I am also speaking of myself. You think I listen to everything that's said? Huh. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter 2. No, matter of fact, Joshua 5. Let's go to Joshua 5. But you know what? It's a journey with the Lord. The Lord is just trying to show us, you know, you're going to have some ups and downs. You're going to slip and fall. You're going to make some wrong decisions. You're going to be zealous and say things that you probably shouldn't have said and have to repent for. That is all a part of walking with Christ. But I will say this. If you get to that place with Christ, like Hebrews 6 talks about, a man or woman, and if you are obeying him and he is fully formed in you, you better wait on every commandment of his. Why? Because anything from that point on is sin if you don't go according to what he's called you to do. Paul even talked about that. What do you think Lucifer fell for? Because Lucifer got real tight with the Lord. Lucifer sat by the throne. I'm not saying that the Lord would throw away his people, but the Bible makes clear in Hebrews 6 that there is a point of no return. You can get so far into Christ and given so many visions, and the Lord is speaking to you like I'm talking to you right now. But if you should not obey, then what you have done is sin. See, so part of why in the flesh you may not clearly understand the Lord is because Christ is not really fully formed in you yet. But Paul could go to sleep in the book of Acts. Remember one night he took a, he slept. He wanted to go and preach in somewhere, one place, and the Holy Ghost forbade him to go east and told him to go into a city to go and preach. He had a dream of a man waving at him. And I uh, can't remember where that was exactly, but he went. You know, because he was led of the Spirit. So you can get that sensitive in the Spirit where you have got to obey the Lord. Why? Because you know Jesus Christ for real. Yes. You know him for real. He has become Lord in your life. So that meant that, you know, you obviously didn't want to do what I told you to do. See, that's the willful sin. That's the willful choice to go on, to know that Christ is head. You have raised the dead. You have cast out devils. You have done everything that the Lord has called. You have seen the powers of the world to come. And that's why he says, once you step over there in that realm, man, ain't no excuse for you. You know Christ. It's not like you couldn't have called on him and said, Lord, are you sure? Remember what happened with Ananias in Acts 5. Ananias, the Lord told him, hey, you need to go, and not Acts 5, I think it's Acts 9. nine. It's Acts 9. But he told Ananias, I want you to go and lay hands on our brother Paul. 
I mean, or, or your brother Paul, and I want you to um, restore his sight and, and baptize him in the spirit. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard about all the evil and the wicked that this man has done. And the Lord said, I am using him for my purpose that he is with me. And then he said, enough, go on. So in other <laughs> words, don't keep talking. I gave you an answer and Ananias went in faith and said, Brother Paul, he called him. That was a beautiful thing. Paul just killed so many Christians and believers. And Ananias came to him with the instruction from the Lord, Brother Paul. Like in other words, you're in because the Lord says you're in. I'm coming to do what is asked of me. I don't have any personal opinion on this. And this is why the Lord wants to work with our spirit and not our feelings. Yes. Those feelings are what keep you from obeying Christ. Because he may want you to step out on faith. And then you got other people caring and nurturing and don't want you to. Man, you got to kick that stuff aside sometimes. Hey, the Lord has told me to do this and this is what I need to do. If you got any opinion, that's fine, but I'm not going to listen to what you said simply because I heard from God direct. If you want his instruction, he'll give it. Joshua 5 and 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, uh, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we, until we were passed over, that their hearts melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. The Amorites were supposed to be 36 feet tall. Okay, the Amorites, they, they had cities, they said, with walls built up to heaven. I mean, the Amorites were some serious characters here, and their hearts are melting because they heard that God dried up the Jordan so they can walk over and take the land. So this is why God had no patience for those people in Numbers 14. Well, he had plenty of patience. But in Numbers 14, he told them, go and take the land. And they spoke against him. But you notice the two people that did listen, Joshua, which, is the, um, which means Jehovah is salvation. Same thing that Jesus means. Yeah. And you had Caleb, which means mad dog. So God is going with his, uh, Jesus Christ conquered the promised land with his attack dog which is you and I, that he wants to be able to use as his battle axe at any given point. A man of God is frightened. He is no coward. Believe me when I tell you. All right, so verse 2, and it says, At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him uh, sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of their foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males. So notice he's talking to the males. Even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. So all the men, those men that were supposedly, you know, part of the you know, army of Israel, they all died off from disobedience. Only Caleb and Joshua believed God, and they wanted to go in. So he wanted to raise up another generation of men that would go in. And the Lord is doing this right now. Right now he's doing it. You got our families that they might have believed God, but they weren't really that into the Holy Ghost. You know, they would call it the happy dance in church, but you saw no miracles. You didn't see any of that stuff going on, you know? The pastor was jumping around and, you know, putting on a show and doing all this and that. No one knew what he was talking about. But the point is, is that, you know, there was nothing being done. 
There's a period in the church of God, especially in the 20th century, where the gifts began to cease, not because God wanted them to, but because man became religious and made other individuals his head. And then from there, you had, you know, this generation falling apart. You know why Henry Groove is a celebrity? You know why he's a superstar? Because there are no more men of God. That is the only reason. If Henry Groover was sitting upon Derek Prince, A.A. Allen, Gary Price, uh, R.W. Schombach, Burt Clendenin, and those guys, there would have been nothing he could have said to them that they had not done or heard. Because the men of God have been taken down, and men are all, you know, uncircumcised, because we're all running around with the world, falling in love with everything in the world. So the circumcision just means to, you know, right, cut away the world. That, right, separate you from uncleanness and, you know, everything else. But you see, I love Henry Groover and I respect him as a man of God. But you see, Henry is no more than what we need to be in Christ. And the Lord may even make us greater. And it's not that Henry is, you know, Henry is doing things at this time. But what do you think is going to happen when the latter rain falls? God is going to be looking for men to do the work and women as well. Right there with them in the fight. But if we don't believe God and we don't believe in our potential in Christ, where do you think we're going? God is going to bypass you and raise another generation up that will go. So I'm telling all men, I don't care if you're 70, I don't care what your age is, don't let the wind go out of your sails. Believe God in the power of Christ because he's got a purpose for you. We have got to know that. All right, so verse 5, and it says, Now all the people that came out of... Out, came out were circumcised but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt them they had not circumcised for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swear that he would not shew them the land which the Lord swear unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. Now, if you remember in Numbers 14, these guys didn't want Jesus Christ to be their head. Because I know Jesus is the Lord of the Old Testament that's speaking right now before them. But they didn't want that. They were worried about their wives and their children. And you see, the Lord said, okay, you're worried about me, your, your wives and your kids dying? Because these were the men. Obviously, they were the men. Because they mentioned their wives, would God let our wives and our children to die out here? So those were the men that represented Israel. And the Lord said, your children will go in, but you won't. You don't want to fool around with God. If he's your head and he wants to be your head, let the Lord use you at his leisure. Would you rather be left out? All right, verse 7. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised. So you can say them, Jesus circumcised, same name. I'm not saying Joshua is Jesus. I'm saying Jehovah is salvation. And everyone knows this. Right, it's symbolic. Jesus is who circumcises you from the world. All right, so then it says, um, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that uh, they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the, the, uh, the name of the place is called Gigal unto this day. Okay, so he's talking about here, 
This is the time when they were getting ready to go on to Jericho. This is when they were getting ready to go to war. So the Lord is telling him, I removed all of Egypt off of you. Okay, so that way you don't have to have the world of Egypt holding you back. That generation had to die in the wilderness because they were unbelieving. That was the only reason. They were antichrist. They were against God. They claimed to be a part of Egypt, I mean, Israel, but every time something broke out, oh, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt where we could die? See, that was the mentality. Every time it's time to take a step forward in Christ or whatever, you know, we got excuses. I just got married. I got this. I got that. And that's why the Lord told Gideon, hey, the fearful and unbelieving turn back. You guys are not even worth it. Just go. So, so 22,000 ended up leaving the group. And they were down to 10,000. Then he said, for the men that, um, that will, um, oh, he told the men to go and drink water at the river. Some men were lapping like dogs, and other men were kneeling down to receive water. That was symbolic, however, to Gideon to say, the people that are kneeling are idol worshipers. Okay, this is what he's recognizing. Those that lap like dogs, they would hold nothing back from God. That their humility was there before him, and they were drinking all that they could. So then he knocked it down to 300, and that was the body. Those were the men that would go. Everybody is not in this war, and we all need to know that. Christ needs to be your head. Verse 10. And the children of Israel encamped in Gigal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Interesting stuff. Now, Jesus is known as the Passover lamb. So these guys kept the Passover just before they went to war. They made an offering. And they did eat of the old corn of the lamb on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self same day. So they, you know, leaven uh, cakes and things like that, they needed to be eaten right then and there. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they were going someplace else. If you're getting ready to step into the promise, you don't need anything from the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what you call stepping out in faith. And this is why the Lord rescued them uh, from their jobs when, you know, the disciples. Verse 12, and the manna ceased, on the morrow, after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So he made clear, whatever you had in the wilderness, that stuff doesn't come in here. Whatever you were ruled by in your soul does not come in here. The head of every man is Christ. Yes. Okay, so verse um, 13. This is my favorite, oh man, I have so many favorite scriptures, but this one I love. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn and his hand, in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, Am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Who do you guys think this was? That is Jesus Christ. He didn't come to tell them and instruct them in the battle. He came to lead them in the battle. So he had his sword drawn like you know how they do. Charge! You know, whatever. But imagine the Lord. Such an awesome God. And I'm talking to us men, you know, more than anything. Mm -hmm. But as we get ready to engage an enemy that is supposed to be so big, 
God didn't tell you to engage to go by yourself. Jesus Christ is heading this army just like he heads every man. That's what's so important about this. When you can imagine when you're out there at war and you run out of words to say or the odds are against you, people are crowding around you, don't like what you say. Man, guess who's standing behind you telling you to speak? We cannot have fear. And he had his sword drawn, which is what? The word of God. And that's what Joshua obeyed, and he was successful. You know the story. They went around uh, Joshua of uh, Jericho seven days, uh, like the Lord said, praising him. So they weren't winning this war. It was the man who uplifted Christ is who won the war. So we got to give it all to the Lord. And that's why the joy of the Lord is our strength. But if we come upon him and we, we praise him, then the Lord didn't expect him to go in battle alone. He came down in his uniform too. Like, all right, let's go. What are you guys wearing? Let's get in this. But the Lord got into battle. Our God is not a God that's going to stand on the sidelines and root you on. He is going to lead you in every situation. And this is, this is for any man that decides to follow the Lord. Amen. So he said, man, take off. Look at 15. And the captain of the host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. He, Moses, right? Exactly. That's who Joshua knew. But, you know, the Lord is instructing Joshua. He's supposed to be the captain of the army. Until he saw the captain, he recognized, well, time to take off my shoes. Let me bow down for instruction. Yes. Hey, we should never be so busy that we can't seek the Lord's counsel and guidance. Mm-hmm. He's who strengthens our hearts, not you and I. All right, uh, let's move on. I want to go to, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. But even David, you know, David wrote all these beautiful songs, but the Bible will tell you David was a man of war. David was no wimp, but you see what tried to take David down? Watching Bathsheba take a bath. And that's all it took for him to slay one of his most noble men. You know, that, that's what happens to a lot of men, man. You get cut down. Christ has got to be your head. Give Jesus your attention in time and make him final. Do it for a week and see how bold you get in Christ. Because he's going to show you what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Lay time aside from him. Wife, come home. Kids, come home. Whatever. All right, all right I'm busy. <laughs> you know, I got to go do your homework. Do whatever you got to do. I'm giving time to the Lord right now. Yeah. That's actually something I've been really thinking about lately is, you know, if we gave, whenever we have opportunity to, like a day off or something like that, or a vacation time, I don't know, and we just turned out the world, turned out the lights, turned off the phone, and, you know, just say, you know what, I'm spending this day with the Lord, I'll text you when I'm done, and you just pray and seek Him in an entire day or two, I mean, what kind of power... And I have yet to do that. I mean, it's not that I don't pray, but it's just like, what kind of power would the Lord instill in us if we really just turned everything away and gave it all to the Lord? You know, I ain't watched TV for a few days. And I'll tell you, I felt like I needed it. Like the Lord said, man, cut that off, you know, whatever. I don't even want you watching religious videos or whatever. Cut it off. Because I felt like something was plaguing me. But you know what? At the end of these three days or so, man, my mind and heart feel so clear towards Christ. That I feel like, you know, he's instructing every little thing that goes on. Uh, Once again, there's scriptures here that I've written that the Lord is telling me, no need. 
I'm going to pick where you need to go. I might have given you a playlist, but I'm only picking the songs here. I'm DJing tonight. So this is what we need. We need his correction on everything we do. Man, have faith in him. Forget all the things you've learned. All right, 1 Corinthians 16 and 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. You know what's saying, um, quit ye like men. You guys can look it up in your concordance. This is saying, act like a man. Act like a man and be strong. This is what the Lord wants us to be. So I'm, I don't think that Jesus, when he was here, and I can tell by the way that he talked to the disciples, I don't think that he was for really extremely emotional men. You know, because he always told them what they needed, but he never grabbed them. All right, Peter, I said that to you, but you understand what I'm saying, right? So don't don't be offended. I'm just telling you not to. Jesus is a commander. He's the captain of the Lord of hosts. He's going to talk to you like a commander. And we men need to have our feelings sanctified by Christ that we won't get hurt. And think about it. If he doesn't sanctify your feelings, there's too many things that's going to get in and keep you from listening to him. Exactly. So he said, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren. Now, charity is, you know, agape. That's that selfless love. Ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. So these guys are dedicated. Uh, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helped with us and laboreth. I am glad in the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. So you see, there's nothing like, I guess I can't speak for a woman, but I've been around other men of God. And I'll tell you, there's nothing that makes you feel more secure than being around a man of God. If you, as men, if we are serious about protecting our wives and our families and kids and things like that, be a man of God. Because you're going to hear from him. You're going to have faith and confidence in him. He's going to direct you and tell you what to do. So it is imperative that a man becomes a man of God. He said these guys have supplied that which they were lacking. Three men walked in there. All right, well, we got it from here, Paul. Let's just do the will of the Lord. But, you know, there is something reassuring about a man. And I'm, I'm talking even to the Jezebel spirit. If you can get beside yourself for a minute and be up front, there is something very secure about a father, about a dad, about a man, about a man in, 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 in charge. You know that the Lord is given because you know, as, as a little kid, I remember, man, my dad, we had gangs in our neighborhood. We grew up in the projects. Mm-hmm. And I remember one guy jumped in my mom's face, you know, over something that happened with the kids. One man jumped in her face and, you know, he was like, you would tell he was like an effeminate man. Because it's like, what man would jump in a woman's face and be screaming at the top of his lungs or whatever? My mom was pretty bold, though. So she was like, you need to get out of my face or whatever. And the man, blah, 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 blah. We saw, my sisters and I saw my dad coming up the hill. He was walking. I guess he was coming from the store. We looked at him and we hightailed it towards him. (laughs) We were running towards our dad. And my dad said... I thought you guys were coming to greet me, but when you guys had picked up speed as you were getting closer, he knew that something was wrong. So we went to our dad, dad, you know, this man is in mommy's face, blah, 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 and all this going on. My dad came up the hill, but right away, you know, I had this feeling of, 
all right, dad's going to handle it now because <laughs> jumped in my mother's face, you know. But, and this is worldly stuff. But the yeah. point I'm making is the security I had in my father that he walked up and he was talking to the guy and the guy started, you know, well, all I'm saying is this. And my dad said, you need to back up, man. And the guy took two steps back, <laughs> you know, and he was just standing there. And my dad was talking. These are my kids. This is my wife. Don't you ever ever jump in their faces again for whatever reason, or you're going to deal with me. Now, some people would say, if you're a Christian, how could you encourage that? Hey, the head of every man is Christ. Yes. The head of the woman is the man. Mm -hmm. And if you think God meant for you to be a wimp concerning your wife, then you've got the wrong God, okay? Because he wants a man to be strong. There was no fight that broke out, but I remember having that security there. Why did he listen to him and not my mom? And I'm not saying that my mom is not a strong woman, but we got to understand what God gave a man. Yeah. You know what's different in the house when you guys are acting unruly and your mom is screaming at the top of her lungs telling you guys to shut up and you won't stop. But let your dad say, hey, cool it. <laughs> and everything just, you know, you stop or leave the room or whatever. God yeah. gave that authority to a man. Yeah. He gave the women authority over the children. Yeah. So don't think that it's just, you know, no authority here. No, but there is, is security is in a man yeah. that God has given him. Yes. Even like the classroom, I've noticed for men, I feel like I'm um, working with a male teacher right now. They automatically like get the authority. And I feel like women have to try a little bit harder to earn that authority mm -hmm. from yeah. the children. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's why you better hope you never yeah. get pulled over by a female cop. Because I'm telling you now, you're going to think that you were in, you know, one of those movies where she's, all right, license and registration. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you show and then put your, you know what, sir, get out of the car. Yeah. I'm like, what is all this hostility? You're a cop. You pulled me over. I'm giving you my info. But she has got to prove yeah. that she is that woman. Tell me. Actually, that's a good point because even in the classrooms, you see, you know, with the example of you know Kobe, mm -hmm. um, when he when the student's being told what to do by any of the women, nothing seems to be mm -hmm. getting through. Mm -hmm. No, no offense, but it's, it's just true. it's true. It's like true. you see it, but then it when you so see true. like a, a male come up there, he's like, you know, he, it, it, something happens, yeah. and it gets done. Yeah, it turns from bullying to teasing. Mm -hmm. He won't bully us, but he'll like, ah, Mr. Howard, ha ha, didn't listen, ha. Mm -hmm. But there is no get away from you, you know, yeah. you whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever, no. And let Mr. Armstead come in there, and he's like, you do that one more time, and I'm taking you yeah, over to whatever. And he's happen. all, and he's all. Yeah. See, I mean, you know, and, and men can't lose that authority, and society is trying hard to make men lose it. Yeah. It's trying to tell you, don't talk to kids like that. Show love, and then I am showing love. Mm -hmm. I told him to move it <laughs> before yes. we have a problem. But that is love. That yeah, is an instruction that is. God has given yes, us. Because when what happens when kids don't have a father? Jesus said, "Oh no, Paul said, ye are bastards if you don't have um, a father." Yeah. Satan did that to Adam and Eve. Hold your thought. He did that to Adam and Eve. He told them, "They shall be as gods." And what did they do from that point? They became bastards other than he pushed his bastard spirit on them because Satan has no father. We all know that. And see, he tried to do the same thing to them. And that's why they hate patriarchal authority. They hate it in this world. They don't want men to act like men. And this is why in the pulpit you got these charmers. 
you know, preaching their hearts out and you got silly women, like the Bible says, cheering them on. You know what a silly woman is in 2 Timothy chapter 3? That is a woman that has not been matured. Mm -hmm. That's a woman arrested in development. Mm -hmm. So when she's hearing all this stuff, she is delighted. Agree with you, you see, because the effeminization of men is what's been spilled onto society. Mm -hmm. And that's why if you come there talking like a man, I ain't hear any love in that message. You can tell that is not a man of God. Don't yes. you know they thought of Jesus that way? Don't you know they thought of John the Baptist that way? Don't you know they thought of Elijah or any of those prophets? Those guys were not lynched. Yes, sir. A great example of that, too, you guys were just talking about is when I was in college, I was in basic training, mm -hmm. the women drill sergeants had to yell and carry on, and they had to act like they were mean. Mm -hmm. When the men walked in, everyone just... You didn't know what was going to happen, so you stayed still, you stayed quiet, you didn't mm -hmm. make a move because you knew. Mm -hmm. They presented the authority. That's they right. presented. They just they presented it as soon as they walked in. But the women walked in. You kind of yeah, whatever. What's she going to do? Even the women. Even we thought that, but mm -hmm. the men. They, you know, it's just it kind of made things confusing. But it's like the men drill instructors walked in, and it was just like you knew. Yeah. They had the authority. All right, First Corinthians chapter six. I'm going to move quickly now. But, you know, he's telling them there to be like men. See, and everybody pushes this stuff out. They'll say be like a man just means be responsible. That's part of it. But being a man is being a man. I mean, I bet you Adam would have been the stuff of legends. If you were to look at the build that God gave Adam, you wouldn't have had Schwarzenegger or any of these guys compare. I guarantee you God made Adam a work of art. I bet you Adam would have been like, now that's a man. You know, you would have had some guys on the beach with muscles on their tongue would have looked at him. Now, that's a man. I believe that Adam was the epitome of a man, the son of God. He was perfect. What we got to work out for, Adam was made with. Believe that. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, and it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists shall inherit the kingdom of God. The two places I guess you guys know where I'm going tonight is effeminate and abusers of themselves with mankind. Abusers of themselves with mankind is sodomy. Okay? It is putting things in places that they don't belong. The Bible refers to it as abuse. It's effeminate. And this is why you see this in the prison system all the time. These gang members will call themselves men, but while they're in prison, they'll say, well, you know, I'm not gay. I like to, you know, be with my boys from time to time, but I'm not gay. Yes, you are. But the point is, is look at how they can try and justify that they're not that way. But that's an effeminized um, um, thing to even have a man, have another man do that to him or to a woman. That's degrading a woman when the Bible speaks of loving your wife. You know, in the, in the um, marriage bed, is supposed to be held in high esteem. Yes. That God wants, you're not supposed to defile one another. Effeminate, it just says soft, you know, um, almost ladylike. And this is what God wants to take from men. This even includes our emotions. If you got a man that's slamming doors and rolling his eyes because you said something to him, He's easily offended and hurt and just wants to walk away from you. That's an effeminate man. 
Because a man is not supposed to have those emotions. He's supposed to give honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Yes. I, you know, one thing I remember about my dad, because he was such a warlord, but you know, he had a gentleness about him that was very secure. I remember when he would ask me to go get something for him from the fridge. Hey, Derek, can you um, do that for me? And I'm like, okay, Dad. And he's, thank you, son. But it was always, he was soft-spoken with his family. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, you got out of line or whatever. But, you know, it's just the way that gentleness can even be strength for a man. Mm -hmm. But effeminate is woman-like. Mm -hmm. And that's something that he never wants a man to have. He wants a man's um, emotions to be governed by him. And you find this often with boys. When they're raised by their mom, they become ultra-sensitive. It, it is so true. And it's like, man, what, I mean, there are some benefits to having a mom because, you know, she men can relate to women better, it seems, when he has sisters or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can relate to the woman. It's almost like you understand emotionally what they go through. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to argue with your sister about who had the last bowl of cereal or, you know, just... Things that wouldn't even interest a man. God yeah. made us a certain way. Yeah. I can even tell when you move into a, you know an apartment with your family and you've got um, you know the mother is oh well, these colors are going this and that. It's not that the man doesn't want to help, but he has no interest in any of that stuff. You know, it's kind of like the woman is the homemaker. She's the nurturer. Yeah. She's a builder. You know, she builds the nest. She makes it comfortable for all. But a man, does, he's not really concerned. And that's why the man will get in trouble when he says, well, whatever you want is okay. And then the woman will get, and I'm not saying men can't have fine taste in things, right. but I'm just saying that most men, they don't, don't care design. about that. Yeah, no, it's no, not no, even no, something no. on their list. Yeah. You know, it's about what can I do for the kingdom of God? Yes. So men should not be effeminate. But I do want to go through three quick scriptures, and they're all one line, okay? So you guys won't jump me. Okay. So let's go to uh, Second Chronicles 16. I'm not saying that a man can't be a designer or whatever he finds beauty in. That's not even my point. David was a psalmist, okay? I'm just speaking of... Having an effeminate nature is something that God had never called men to be. The first Chronicles, what? Um, 16. 16. First or second? First. Oh, it's Second Chronicles. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I had the book right in front of me and was heading in the wrong directions. But man, ain't nothing more glorious than to be no, a man of yeah, all God. Of I mean, all of it is true. I mean, it, it's just like, it's naturally, of course, it all makes sense. It's mm -hmm. like, like you can't question. It's just there. It's, tr it's true. Um, it, it's like, I don't even, I, I, I don't feel like I have to, I don't, th I don't feel like I've necessarily experienced things firsthand to actually see it as true. Mm -hmm. It's just, I know it's, I know it's there, and you know, mm -hmm. but, but speaking of experience, seeing it happening in the school, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can't, I, I mean, like. I've even heard some artists say, like, you can't get on stage and say, uh, yeah, my name is, um, this, and I'm going to perform this. You're going to be like, woo, you know, you're going to be loud, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, and same thing in the classroom, like, you wouldn't say, um, such and such, you wouldn't use that. You would say, hey, stop it. Mm -hmm. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. You need to stop it. Mm -hmm. So It's yeah. so true. It is so true. Because they are just really painting men. I mean, how many times have we gone to go and assist, only to turn out to be, like, considered the Neanderthal there. Yeah. And all you're doing is trying to help. Right. All right, come on, you need to go, let's go. And they, but wait, they just, 
you know, be more gentle. Yeah. You mean be gentle? He yeah. just flipped over a desk and socked <laughs> another kid in the eye. Do you want him taken out or not? Yeah. Do you want to talk to him or not? Yeah. But they want to control the situation yeah, as that, well. That's that's fair. Just so, all right. Well, when he get you get done with him kicking your teeth, then yeah. then you can come and call me. Yeah. It's like, what did you hire me for? That exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Look at this. Second uh, Chronicles sixteen and verse nine. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to shoot himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect, whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So the Lord is looking for a man or, or you know, someone to represent him. And this could be man or woman here. But he looks for those of pure hearts who are willing to represent him. And as men, we got to be ready to accept that call in Christ. Yes. We need to, man. I mean, because God can't afford to spare one of his people. He needs us in battle. Yeah. He needs men to be men. Look at, uh, let's go to Ezekiel 22. Yeah, I was, um, I was taking care of something today. And like, um, what, what I was telling you about God and sending those messages, what I was taking care of recently. Mm -hmm. And then I came out from, uh, like this interview. It was like, like, just like a short interview of it. I came out and immediately I saw two women like you know hugging up on mm -hmm. each other and it was like Christ was telling me this like reminded me of like this is what's going on mm -hmm. you know you got to be ready mm -hmm. this is, I mean it hit me like immediately as mm -hmm. soon as I got outside mm -hmm. so I was like boom and it hit me in my heart like you know I got I got to get ready mm -hmm. for what's what's gonna what's I'm gonna we've be got to because even in homosexual relationships one always has to play the man so what does that tell you that God is right. Yes. His way is right. That's true. Yeah, You'll find really some of those women, they see two women, they go, all right, I got to be the man. Yeah, like, no, the be point? another woman. Yeah, but like, you see, even they know yeah. that God's way is right. And what do they do from there? I'm not it. showering. I'm going to start working out yeah. at the gym. I'm going to start talking dirty. I'm going to start looking dirty. But I've got to be a man. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is what, even they know that a man should be hard. Yeah. Even a homosexual lesbian knows that a man should be hard because yeah. they try and imitate him. That's what do they true. do? Hang their pants and, girl, get over here. Come here. You yeah. know what I mean? They really do think that they're men. That's true. Even they know that. They wouldn't even pick a, an effeminate man or a woman to be their, their partner. Most of the time they're loud and boisterous and got the whole world, they got to make the whole world know in their presence. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Ezekiel uh, uh, 22 and verse 29, and it says, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. You know, so this isn't the first time that there's been a shortage of men. God is looking for someone to stand in the gap, to represent him, because things wouldn't be like they are now. You know, and I love those pastors that'll come out there and, you know, they'll see wrong yeah. right there in their congregation. Now, some people would say, don't judge. They'll come straight out and preach against whatever it is that they're seeing right there. Yeah. Now, you can either stay or go. But one thing we cannot do as men of God is be compromised. Yes. I didn't even get to read this, but check this out. We looked at this before. Five characteristics of a godly man. Lead, initiate. Be a man of action. Assume it is your job and your moment. Hate apathy. 
reject passivity. Why? Because when a commandment comes down from the top, we need to be quickened and ready to go. This is why Paul said to be instant. This is two. Speak out silence in the midst of sin is a sin. Be courageous, fear God, not man. Speak the truth in love. Yes. Okay, so when the Lord desires for us to speak or to speak up, we need to. You know, regardless of what, then who has he got? Yeah. If you've got most people in this world that are sinners and you see sin and you happen to be there, then who does he want to represent him? So it, we have to assume it's our responsibility. We're not judging people. And we could even, you know, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I just want to tell you guys that Jesus Christ loves you and he did not design two women to be together. What he, what he called for is for a man and a woman. And, you know, you can break down whatever. All right, if they get offended and leave, curse you, whatever, you know what? You've done your job. You said what needed to be said. If they have restless, sleepless nights, if seeds get planted, so be it. Mm -hmm. You don't want people to get comfortable in sin anyway. This is three. Stand strong. Don't give in when you are challenged, attacked, or criticized. Again, if the head of every man is Christ and what he said came from the top, then you don't owe anybody any explanation for what he said. When Nathan spoke to David, who was the king of Israel, David could have had him killed. Nathan spoke up and then went and departed to his home. Those guys said what needed to be said and hit the door. They didn't turn around, well, God did tell me this, but are you okay? That's the furthest thing from a man led by God's mind. Why? God told you to speak and you speak. If God tells you to, you know, console and to comfort then you comfort mm -hmm. but the point is as if god gave a command why do you think they always said thus saith the lord god it's not personal yeah. i'm not bashing you i'm hearing from christ so we got if we're going to be his mouthpiece we can't be silenced we got to find you know like gary price said grow our gonads back we got to get back in charge where we need to be this is four stay humble be vigilant against pride Get the log out of your own eye. <laughs> uh, don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. So what does this mean? Christ being our head. So he says, be vigilant against pride. Don't, don't be proud because this ain't even about you. This is about Christ. Yes. Then he says, get the log out of your eye. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't think less of yourself. So don't have no confidence taken from you. Just push up Christ. Think of Christ. Ask Jesus to fill you. This is all we need. Think of yourself less. That means you are Christ conscious. Easy for God to work with you. But it's not about you. This is five, the final one. Serve the king. Seek first his kingdom, his glory, and his righteousness. Hope in the eternal. Live for a greater reward. So a man of God even has to be God conscious. He can't desire so much in this world, man. He's got to pursue Jesus. Jesus will marry you. Jesus will give you what you need. Jesus will supply that which you want in order to fulfill his mission because we are nothing aside from him. So, you know, we need to be men of God. You know, that, that's what really matters. And you know what? That's the only hope that the world has. Read 1 Peter 3. Uh, uh, um, oh, boy. You mind not presenting on that? You have to. 1 Peter 3. Sorry, guys. One more. This is the last one that I feel like I'm being pushed to do. it. You can present. I'm just saying that, you know, oh, okay. I don't want to take a whole lot of time, but 
this this point needs to be addressed. All right, First Peter three and one, and it says, everybody there, and it says, likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Okay, so he's talking about like the wives will even be, you know, in your corner. They'll be there with you. Verse 2, while they behold your chaste uh, conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that um, outward adorning of plating of, of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of the meek and quiet spirit, uh, which is in the sight of God of a great price, of great price. So a woman is not supposed to be loud. She's supposed to have a meek and, you know, humble spirit. She's not supposed to be boisterous, loud, trying to steal the thunder from her husband, trying to be seen and all this. He's saying, have a meek and quiet spirit. You don't have to have all these jewels and everything to be recognized. You know, you being there with your husband is, you know, meek and quiet is honorable. Yes. You know, and some people will look, well, can't your wife think for herself? That's what the Jezebel spirit would always pull out. You guys know of family functions? What happens when a wife comes to her husband and says, what do you want on your plate? And away, here comes Jezebel. Let him get his own plate. You're not his servant. He's a man. He could get up and get it. It's a glorious thing to do the will of the Lord, okay? People hate to see that union together. Verse 5. For after this manner of old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. So that's adorning. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters uh, ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. So don't be, don't let this take you off God. She referred to him as Lord. A, a woman is supposed to be subjective, you know, in subjection to her husband. Now, is he going to be like a barbarian? Absolutely not. You know, his wife is important. If she's the glory of him, then what good is it to him to dump on her? You know, if anything, she's there to uplift him or, to, you know, to lift him up and both of them in Christ. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, for, um, as, as being heirs together with the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Okay, so your prayer can be hindered if you're not where it should be. The man should give honor to his wife as the weaker vessel. Now, of course, I've dated women where they got mad and I said something they didn't like. They ain't hit me in the chest and ran in a room. Now, what am I going to do? Go and tackle them to try and prove my authority? Or it was just a hit in the chest. She was emotional. I'm not saying it's right, but she was emotional. She was upset. Give honor to her as the weaker vessel. Yeah. You're going to say, hey, put on these gloves because you and I got a score to settle. <laughs> Nobody hits me. Yeah. That's not the way it is. It'll be like the way we deal with the Lord. You know, you messed up or she did something. You know, let her blow up steam. When she calms down, she'll come back and talk to you or whatever. When she's in her right mind again. You know, you guys can go berserk. But he's saying... What's that guy for Popeye, the big guy? Brutus. Brutus. Yeah, it sounds like something Brutus would do if I, if I would yeah. you know, yeah. you know, no, You're supposed to give honor to her as the weaker vessel. But I'm going to ask if Martin could put this on the site. This says, 
why the woman as the weaker vessel teaching is wrong. And they go into all types of misogyny and all this other garbage that's not even scriptural. So, you know, I'm going to ask if that can be put up because it's wrong. I'm speaking against it. I believe everything that this word says. But for us men, let's be men of God. Let's be available for the Lord. Let's honor him because aside from us, who can the Lord use? You know, he doesn't, yeah, he'll use a woman if need be. He has in times past with Deborah. But even Deborah turned to Barak and said, I hope you know you're giving your honor unto a woman. She told him that. The honor is not going to be to where it be, should be for a man. You're giving it to a woman. So, you know, let's let's do what he needs to be and let's be honorable men of God. So, if I offended anybody, I don't care because the Lord said that these things need to be said. And that's what it is. Yeah. So, all right, that's the lesson for tonight. Whoever wants to present is theirs. You know what? I don't like. Can we step outside for a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Lead away, Got these gloves. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what gloves. I tell you what gloves. I'm gonna use these gloves right here. forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So this is like kind of perfect with what, what, we're, <laughs> what we're talking about. There's like so many times too that I was just like, Lord, of course he aligned this. But um, I mean, this is this is awesome, and like this is just being someone, you know. Especially, I like uh, like a man too. Just like being able to take the wisdom that comes to you, mm-hmm. and being able to apply it to your life. And it says right here, like, um, nor faint. So like when you hear it, you don't need to be discouraged or anything like that. Like it's a blessing just knowing that the Lord wants to intervene into your life to head you towards perfection. You know. Mm-hmm. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we have given them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? So, exactly. Yeah. So it's like our 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 earthly fathers that, of course, when we were younger, you know, it's just a tone of voice sometimes, and you just know, you know, and it's got to be the exact same thing with our father, 
Like, That's right. When we hear his voice, just I was telling Christina the other day, the Lord said something to me, and and I was literally just like shaking, you know, like I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is so real, you know, like I, I I've got to do this, you know, mm-hmm. and this is the type of reverence that He wants us to have for Him. Like, of course, He He loves us, and it's mm-hmm. saying like that's why He speaks to us that way because mm-hmm. He loves us. That's right. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And um, it's funny because I was actually talking to somebody um, that comes into Trader Joe's and we always talk about the Lord and she was just saying like the other day I was watching the show and um they were just talking about pornography like it wasn't pornography I wasn't watching porn or anything like that Mm -hmm. but the Lord told me to turn it off like this has nothing to do with me like I want you to cut this off and she did it you know Mm -hmm. and I mean like obviously like I just explained to her like that's awesome like Mm -hmm. that's exactly what you need to do when he intervenes in mm-hmm. yes. because it's for your you know your benefit yes, towards absolutely. your holiness yeah. and like her like clearing those things out i bet the next time she goes and watches a show like anything that you know like doesn't pertain to him you know she's gonna think about it mm-hmm. so it's for him and that's a, another thing too we were like talking about kids and um and how uh we gotta i don't know just really when they're young like make sure that i don't know like with the way the world's going you know i bet if you spank kids these days you know it'd probably be like oh my gosh like an abuse case yeah it's no um they don't get to learn the values of right from wrong and other things that they're supposed to know yeah and they grow up and necessarily like not really fearing anything yes, you know yes. which is not realistic like we don't have a spirit of fear but we need to have a real reverence for the lord you know? yeah. and, honor. and authority and um i was i can't remember which proverbs verse it was but they were just talking about um like a parent actually disciplining like spanking Six. their kids and it'll save them from hell yeah. you know yeah. like that's real love like uh-huh. us going out of our way no matter how much it hurts or how awkward you think it's going to be, but you going out of your way to help save a soul, you know, that's real love, you know, not being like, I don't want to hurt their feelings, you know, Holy Spirit doesn't operate in feelings. Proverbs 13. Was it 13, 12? Yeah. It was, um, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, oh, there it is. but he that loveth him chasteneth him three times. See, there are so many verses out of Proverbs that I wanted to read to like go along with this. Like, I second that. Like, my whole Proverbs is highlighted. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, I mean, like, say that when, when your parents take you out to eat or like take you to get ice cream, it's, it's almost as if like, I don't know. We, we know that is caring, of course. Like, but when we get that whooping, like we in the moment we don't feel like it's caring. But then after once we get older, we're like, I got it. 
and I'm I'm really thankful that you gave this to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like so happy that I, you let me know like what I was doing wrong and I was corrected. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, mom or dad, like it hurt. I I can't lie, and I, I didn't like for you to do it. It's like, but now I, f- I feel good about that. I got it. You know that discipline, like. A child can say this is honorable. That's mm-hmm. that um, that message that doesn't come back void. Or exactly. we can say this is honorable, and I, I agree with it, and I, I I accept it. Of course, you know it's the way of Christ. Amen, amen. And just uh, another one came to mind too. It's Proverbs nineteen eighteen, but it says, "Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliverest him, yet thou must do it again." Amen. But, yeah, I mean. That's yes. pretty much bad. Amen, yeah. Discipline. Yeah, I think that's what uh, a lot of things are missing some days in the household is discipline and totally. correction. People expect correction to just be sweet. and You know, and even a woman is sweet. You know, like, I guess some people just don't see it that way. Or, it's true. I mean, just to piggyback off what you said real quick is that... Um, when I was a kid, you know, my dad was a disciplinarian. And if my dad wasn't, my mom was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all three of us were raised under that. And um, when I got older, I didn't really understand it because when I was in my 20s and stuff, that's when the world started turning discipline into abuse. And so for a while, I actually thought about, hey, maybe he was actually abusing me instead of disciplining me. And so that, that really hindered me mm-hmm. for a long time until... The Lord healed me of that, and it was like, no, he was just disciplining you. And I actually thanked my dad, and I I really did. I said, thank you for never letting us get away with anything and showing us that you are a protector, but also showing us how to live, you know, as, as, you know, my sister being a woman and married and my brother being a man and me being a woman. Mm -hmm. So that way, you know, you don't get trapped by the lies of society and so my parents they did their job you know whether if the parents do their job whether the kids turn out right or wrong eventually we all have a decision to make but if the parents do their job hey (laughs) now you're responsible for yourself no excuse exactly so let's go to philippians 2 and 1 another thing too like um, about reverence with our elders, mm-hmm. they, they've been a long. They obviously they've been around longer than us, you know, so they have more experience. Mm-hmm. And like, they might even like think so far ahead of you that you just don't understand what's happening, you know, yeah. and just how much more our Lord that has been around before time, you know, like, exactly. He's gonna know exactly. So you just gotta trust. Mm-hmm. And no parents are perfect, you know. They 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 have. If they live by the Lord, they have the Lord's instruction manual, obviously, but, you know, they're humans like everyone else are, so they do the best that they can do, and, you know. All right, so Philippians 2 and 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, and any bowels and mercies, fulfill, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Obviously, in Christ Jesus. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. To each, to a, a lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Mm-hmm. Look not to every man 
Look not every man to his own things, but every man also on the things of, of others. So, having the mind of Christ, we will love one another. And instead of looking at our own circumstances and what we're going through, we're going to, you know, want to help other people out. Yes. And we're going to say, hey, you know, if you're going through something, let me know and I can help you or, you know, I can pray for you in any way that I can. And uplift it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, uh, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. All right, hold where you are and let's go to Romans 15 and 1. Romans 15 and 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. So we know that Christ took all of our sins, took all of our reproach, took everything for us to the cross. And this is how he wants us to be towards other people. Mm-hmm. All right. In verse 5. Or verse 3. 4. Excuse me. <laughs> for whatsoever things were written aforetime. Were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Mm-hmm. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like minded one toward another. According to Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I mean this is just. I'm going to continue reading in Philippians here, but this is just bringing it home that as a body of believers, we're not supposed to be selfish. And even if we're going through something, I mean, we all go through, we all go through circumstances. I go through mine. We all go through something. But if we constantly, and I know this is something the Lord's had really worked with me on, if we constantly are looking at our own situation constant all the time, we can't be looking at what everyone else is going through too and you know even when we run into people out on the street and we come in contact with them it's like hey if we take down their phone number or something like that it's like if I'm just constantly looking at my situation I may forget the person I wrote the phone number down for and it's like what what if they need something what if they need prayer what if they need help I should really contact that person and see how they're doing so all right back to Philippians 2 verse uh, 6 who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. So, you know, just as Christ did exactly what the Father told him to do, he already knew why he was coming here, but... That didn't bother him. He knew why he was here. He knew the purpose of coming here was to be on the cross. And we as believers of Christ, if we're obedient unto Jesus Christ, it very well may lead us unto death for what we stand for, especially in today's society. Now, even though Trump has said, you know, Christians can speak out, that's for now. But, you know, we can't get caught up in what he said. We still have to be obedient unto what Jesus Christ is telling us to do. All right, um, verse 9. Wherefore God also hath 
highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name and I wanted to read this because it's my favorite part here that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven of things in earth things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father so even when we talk to these people out on the street and they say I don't believe and God's not real and this you know this can't happen and hell's not real the scripture says it right here. Mm-hmm. One day, even those unbelievers They're are going to have to bow the knee. Right. But we have to be obedient and keep going on and do the will of the Lord and help each other out and comfort one another. You know, be strong in the Lord and do His will. So that's, that's what I have. That's why the Bible tells us to flee youthful lust and things like that. Because these are the things that arrest us in development and hold people up. You know, we just got to grow in Christ. Right. You know, but I wanted to play a video today, which I didn't get the chance, but it was a video of, you know, the Christians persecuted in Iran. Mm-hmm. One boy was, um, I think he was like 15 years old, was taken and beaten and they hung him up and all that, hung him by his arms, told him to deny Jesus. He wouldn't, but the judge eventually let him free. And he said, you know, I'm glad that this happened, so I got to glorify Jesus. Amen. Now, this is a 15-year-old boy. Yeah. You see, there's no playing around in other countries when this mm-hmm. stuff is going on because these people are dealing with it direct. You watch how many things won't be important when it comes here to America. And that's why, you know, I don't, want, I don't have a problem with milk and all these other things and growth, but what happens if it gets shoved on you? The only question is going to be is, do you know Jesus or do you not? Do you not? Because it's going to come hard, man. You know, and we just need to be prepared and ready for him. Mm-hmm. Who's praying tonight? I'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us another day to grow Jesus closer Christ, to closer you. to you, Father. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit continues to fill this room, Lord Jesus. Your spirit continues to fill all of your sons and daughters, Lord Jesus. And as we grow, Lord, and share your mind, Father, we just pray that you continue to fill us up with fruits, Lord Jesus. And please continue to grow strong, righteous men of God, Lord, that can lead your your women of God, Lord, with you as the head, Father. And we follow you just like the hind, Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. never straying because you are yes, there Jesus lighting the Christ. path of our feet, Lord Jesus. And if any of us do stray, you, Father, you are right there, yes, Lord. the loyal shepherd, Lord, to bring us all back, Lord Jesus. And Father, as we approach these end times, Lord, and so much is changing, Lord, and the world is growing more and more deceived, Father. We just pray that you continue to develop us so we can comprehend with all saints, Father. Yes. And we'll see through the deception because we are looking through your yes, eyes, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We are using your yes, mind, Father. Yes. And you're calling us towards true holiness and true godliness so we can be delivered blameless, Father. And I pray, Lord, that everybody in our body, Lord, the body of Christ, Father, is healed and renewed day by day by your spirit, Father. And let your spirit fill us up, Lord. 
and increase, Lord, so we may partake in your harvest as we stay obedient to you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, there is nothing on this earth, Lord, that is more precious than you, Father. Your words, your wisdom, Lord Jesus, that's all we need to hear. That is all we need to reflect on, Lord. Let our conversation only be of you, Father. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for continuing to grow us up, Lord Jesus. Continue to let the living waters flow up through all of us, Lord. No sickness, no disease may come against anyone, Father. And we just pray your shield, Lord, your armor, Lord, your sword that can sever it all the way down to the soul, Lord Jesus. We just pray that we are aligned in battle, Lord, to go forwards with you, Father, with you right there leading us as our captain, Lord Jesus. And we will follow you, Lord, until the end of time, Lord, which is no end with you because you are the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for lifting us up. And we pray your peace and your mercy over all of us, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.